Welcome back, everybody, to the Covenant Eyes podcast. We are so excited to have you joining us today. We have got a longtime friend joining us on the podcast. We'll get into all of that in a minute. I'm Karen. He's Brandon. And we're here to have a good time and talk about some amazing topics that we know you are super interested in. Brandon, how's it going today? I'm doing really well, Karen, and I'm excited for our topic. It's something that we do talk about on the podcast. We need to talk about it more. So I'm glad we're going to be featuring it today, especially. Absolutely. Today's guest, like I said, is a longtime friend of Covenant Eyes, uh, Jessica Harris. How are you today? I am doing well. How are you guys? Awesome. Couldn't be better. Thanks for asking. We actually had you join us back, it seems like forever ago, but started way back at the Set Free Summit. Do you remember that back in 2016? <laughs> yeah, it actually goes back even before that. But yes, yes it does. I remember the, the Set Free Summit way back oh, in the day. <laughs> gosh, that was a great presentation you put out there to our pastors and leaders. And that was kind of the start of a bigger dialogue, I think, with mm -hmm. pastors and leaders about the growing epidemic of women that are struggling with pornography. And it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. And you're here today to kind of walk us through that, talk about, um, I believe you have a new book that you want to talk a little bit about yes. and so much more. So if if you don't mind, would you just give our listeners a little bit of your background and tell us a little bit about your work? Sure. Um, obviously, my name is Jessica, and I have been working in the space of women struggling with pornography since 2009. So um, 14 years now. And I've actually first wrote for Covenant Eyes, I think in 2010, um, I started writing for your guys' blog. <laughs> That's um, awesome. But I started out sharing my story because I was a, a girl who grew up in the church and found pornography when I was 13, back at the back in the age of dial-up and floppy disks um, before people really understood the dangers of being online. The internet was such a new and cool thing that no one really understood how dangerous it could be as with, that's how all technology happens, right? We get social media, like it's new and cool. And then it's like, oh, that's actually dangerous. And then, and then we move <laughs> on to the next thing. Like, this is cool. Oh, well, there's danger here. And so I was exposed back um, before re really people understood that there was like free pornography out there and that it was not, you know, just like Playboy, like it was like dangerous and violent content. Um, and I actually became addicted to it when I was in high school. And so I struggled with that in, in shame for years because there was nothing out there talking about women having this struggle. And so it made me think, man, am I the only woman in the world who has managed to get herself into this mess? Um, and through God's grace and just God working in my life. And I shared part of my story at the Set Free Summit. I've written a book about my story, but um, I was able to find freedom from that and then turn around and kind of say, hey, like this is not, I'm not the only woman in the world who struggled with this. This is a an issue that is becoming more and more prevalent. And we need to, as a church, be addressing this because when we're not talking about it, you have women like me who are sitting in the church, hearing all about God's grace and all about how good he is and all about how much he loves us. And then thinking, yeah, but he can't possibly love me because I've screwed up mm -hmm. too much. And so wanting to communicate that message of grace to those women who struggle, but also wanting to change the conversation in the church. This is not just a man's problem. Um, it is it's something that girls can struggle with too. That's a really important thing that you're bringing up. I'd like to dive just a little bit deeper into the pornography for a moment, Jessica, because I would like, especially for our listeners, or our leaders who are listening, talk a little bit about 
the pornography from your st- standpoint, your point of view, in the sense of were you attracted to <clears throat> the romantic side of it or was it the images or or what was it about the pornography that drew you in as a woman? Right. So I think the common, one of the common misconceptions, I guess, when it comes to women in pornography is like women struggle with erotica, right? And they're just all sitting around reading romance novels and that's as bad as it gets for them. <laughs> but for me, my first exposure was hardcore pornography. Um, and that is the world that I basically was like thrown into. Um, it was not me sitting in a, in a corner reading a, a book. Like it was, it was watching videos. Um, I actually had someone ask me in a different podcast, like, so is it just you like scrolling along, looking at pictures of naked men, like how men looked at pictures of naked women, like in Playboy. And I said, no, it's not, it wasn't that at all. It was watching videos. And I think there was a part of it for me at when I was 13, that was curiosity. Like, oh, this is what people aren't talking about. You know, my family didn't talk about sex. My church didn't talk about sex, except to say don't have it. (laughs) And so it was like, oh, this is what they've been talking about. So it kind of became a way that I learned um, and could express, I guess, my my sexuality without without it being dangerous. You know, it seemed safe in my head. Like this is a way for me to experience this without having to worry about getting pregnant or worry about getting an STD or worried about any of those other things. And I can check the block that I'm still a virgin when I get married. Like it, it seemed like this great answer to the problems that I was having as a teenager with raging hormones. And I was in a public school. So all my friends are having sex, you know? And so it's like, Oh, this is, this is my way of balancing this. And so it was curiosity and just, I mean, we get stuck in pornography because part of it's enjoyable, right? Like men and women both are sexual creatures and enjoy sexual pleasure. And so um, we, when something appeals to that, it's becomes appealing to us and we get involved in that. And so I think just even as a woman, like it, it was like, oh, this is interesting. This is new. This is fun. This is enjoyable for me, even as a teenager. Yeah. And we hear, you know, we hear that frequently. And then we also do hear the people that also engage in the romance and the erotica novels, Mm -hmm. which leads them to curiosity and online searches. So I think there's many ways to enter into this addiction. And some people maybe move right into just being sexually active and and acting out and that sexual brokenness grows in that way as well. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that, um, has been really, really, really rewarding, I think, in my work here at Covenant Eyes is seeing this topic come up more and more in the churches. Um, People are more engaged, they're aware, and they're talking about it, but we still have a lot of work to do, Jessica. What more can we be doing as Christians and as churchgoers, and then for the pastors and leaders listening, what more can we be doing? I encourage people that it can be as easy as the word and, right? Um, I think sometimes we get overwhelmed when we're looking at a problem like this, like churches really don't even have a handle on men struggling with pornography. And now we're going to throw at them (laughs) like, oh, by the way, um, women do this too. And oh, by the way, like children are being exposed to this, like fix it all. And it can be overwhelming as a ministry leader or a, a, a church leader. My husband's a pastor. So it can be overwhelming to look at, oh, this is a problem that affects all of my congregation all in unique ways, right? It's going to affect a wife differently than it affects an unmarried teenage girl. It's going to affect 
um, a, a marriage different than it just affects like a, a random single dude. And so you're, you're trying to figure out all of the different ways to help all of these different people when really what the first step needs to be is just you start the conversation. You don't have to have the answer when you start a conversation, right? You just need people to understand that you know they exist and that their struggle exists. So as we talk about pornography in our churches and as we address that in our in our circles and in our groups, to just say things like, and it's becoming a problem for women too, or and women struggle with this too. And to not do that in a way that's disgusted, like, oh, and women are doing this too, but to to frame it in a way that we understand that pornography is the predator and pornography is the enemy here. And the people around us who are struggling with this are not bad people for struggling. They are falling victim to it. And if you can flip your your perspective on that too, they have fallen victim to this, this lie, this deception that this is good for them, that this is a healthy outlet, that this is okay because it's not hurting anybody, that they have fallen victim to this then you can see yourself as I'm just here to help people understand that there's someone who can rescue them. I'm not rescuing anybody. I am here to help people see that they're stuck and they're trapped and that there's a way out. And so I think if you can, if we all can like make that switch, then we can see how women can be victims, how men can be victims, how children can be victims. And we can approach that in a way that's more gracious as opposed yeah. to like, knock it off. You're a horrible, you're basically a human trafficker. Like, how dare you? Like <laughs> that message isn't helpful for anybody really. And so when we can switch it to say, Hey, this is lying to you. Like this is tricked you. Like this is what Satan does, right? He tricks us. Right. And so this is tricking you into what's good in, in sex. Like this is, this is lying to you. This is deceiving you. Like, let me tell you that there's a better way. That message is universal for men, women, whoever, like that message goes across. And if we can just start sharing that, we might not have the program in place. We might not have a support group in place, but as we start sharing that message, we'll see those things kind of take form themselves. I shared my story at a church in Australia back in the day. And I just, it was the first time this church had talked about this issue. And so I shared my story and the church, the pastor kind of felt like overwhelmed. He's like, I don't know where to go from here, but we're at least going to start the conversation, which is all you need to do. And a woman who worked in the youth group came to me afterwards and says, I have never told anybody about this, but I used to be a porn star. And she said, and you have just given me the courage to step up and share my story and to help these girls in this youth group. So you don't you don't know what's going to happen from starting the conversation. So just right. start the conversation. Mm, that's good. Think, thinking about what you said with the using the word and, I actually had a personal experience with that when my wife and I were working an engaged couples retreat. And I had talked about pornography because part of what we do in that retreat is share our own story of how we struggled with the impacts of pornography in our marriage. And I had talked about how men struggle with it. And, and I, as a man, had struggled with it. And I and I used the word and, and I added that women were struggling with it as well. And so we got to make sure that we, it's sort of a both and approach. And I actually had a, a woman come up to me in that retreat later on and say that she was really glad I used the word and and, and mentioned the women and didn't leave them out uh, mm. because it was just a, it was a really comforting moment for her to know that she wasn't alone in this. Yeah. 
And so I, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I'd like to shift gears just a little bit and talk about your book, Quenched. Mm-hmm. So that I believe this is your second book. You had Beggar's Daughter first, and now this is your second book. So talk about the story behind this book. Right. So the difference, so Beggar's Daughter is my story. It's my very much almost like a memoir in a way. And I wrote it specifically for actually the Set Free Summit with um, Covenant Eyes because I wanted a way for pastors to walk away and have answers to maybe more questions than they might have for me just being on a stage for 30 minutes, like a more specific map through my story. Quench, I feel like is the, the now what it answers the now what in a way. Okay. So women struggle with this. That's my story. And then now what do we do? Like what, what's a tool that we can hand them? What's a message that we can give them other than just like, Hey, yeah, sorry. We know you're here too bad. Like, What's the next step? What's the next part of this conversation? And that's what's captured in Quenched. I really wanted people to understand God's heart for them, right? Because it's one thing to say, yes, we see you, we know you struggle. And then the next thing to be able to say, hey, God sees you and he knows you struggle and he knows and he loves you. And he has a message of grace and hope and freedom for you. And I think so many women who struggle with pornography, they just feel so much shame and they feel like God wants nothing to do with them. And that's such a damaging message for them, right? Like if I, if God is my way out, if he's my source of hope and he's my source of freedom and the enemy can find some way to convince me that I am not savable, that God wants something to do with me, then the enemy has won. Like I'm not going to be able to find freedom because I'm convinced God has nothing for me. And so the message of quenched is that God wants your freedom. Like he doesn't, he doesn't want you to get over yourself. Like he wants your freedom. Like he, he wants to come alongside of you and fight this with you. Like he's not expecting you to slug through it and get to him on your own. Like he's coming for you. He's coming to you and his desire is for you and for your freedom. And there's this overwhelming grace that I think we're missing in our message in the church. And that was what I wanted to capture in Quenched and give to women like, hey, listen, this the message of God is not, I'm disgusted with you and I hate your guts and I'm so disappointed in you, like go away. That's not the message of of God and gospel and of grace, like his message is like, Hey, I see you. I know you're stuck. I know you're messing up and I'm coming for you. Like in a good way, I'm coming to help you. I'm coming to set you free. I'm coming to rescue you. And women needed that message. And I've had plenty of men write in like, I needed this too. (laughs) Why did you write it just for women? But, but it's, it's that message of, of grace. And it follows the narrative of John four in the Bible and Jesus is the woman at the well and walks through the different desires that she shows in that and how God wants to meet each, each of those. Hmm. That's so good. Hmm. You know, I think it's really interesting too, that a lot of the work that we're doing now, we're seeing a new generation that both male and female have grown up in a pornified culture, have been exposed. Some are addicted, some are struggling. I mean, so the church is really faced with a unique challenge that some of these young marriages are starting off with both people having wounds from pornography use or still actively using pornography. And I just think that we need more of that 
awareness, like you're saying, that we we talk and bring up this issue and show compassion and then be able to point to other resources. We don't have to have the answers ourselves, but we do need mm-hmm. tools and, and resources to be pointing people to because they do need hope and they do need healing uh, to overcome these challenges. In your work with women specifically um, that are married, how have you been helping them? You know, because a lot of times this might be a secret they did not bring forward in their marriage to their husband. Have you done any counseling or coaching on how to do that or um, have resources you would recommend for that? Um, So this is tricky because a lot of the forerunners of um, the talking about women who struggle with pornography. So like Crystal Renaud and um, Joyce Garka, we were, most of us were single when we started. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we already found our freedom and our voices as single young women. And then we walked into marriage with wounds still to be sure. Like even when you are free, you can be free and still have scars, right? Like it's not like a, and one of the other thing. And so we still walked into marriage having to deal with the, the damage that pornography had done in our own hearts and lives and work through that. Um, but it's definitely a different thing altogether when you are married and have kept this a secret and have not told your spouse and um, I think a lot of that does come back to that messaging when we make it so like the, the messaging within the church can be so much like, it's okay for men to struggle with it, but like heaven forbid a woman struggles. And if she struggles, then like, she's a, a terrible person. And the number of wives that I've worked with who are afraid to tell their husbands, because mm-hmm. like, he thought I was pure when he married me, like he thought I was a good person, <laughs> you know, and now I'm going to tell him that I'm struggling with this. And I've, I've had a wife say, I told my husband and now he won't even talk to me. I've had another wife say, I promised myself I would tell my husband after I married him. Cause I would have felt safe in that relationship to tell him. And now I'm terrified and I can't like, I, she thought she would once they got married. And when, once they got married, she realized I'm so scared of losing him that I, I will never tell him this. And so mm-hmm. I think we have to we have to, I think I actually have a resource for couples to walk through this on my website. Um, but we have to couch this so carefully in a message of, of grace. Cause you do disappointment is okay. And I, I tell wives, I tell women that shocked is not the same as shame, right? So like somebody can be shocked or confused by something that you say, and it doesn't mean that they're, that they're shaming you, right? They're, they they have we all have kind of the, the initial reaction of like what i've never heard of of women struggling with this or what you you know <laughs> the pastor's wife or the missionary's wife or the ministry leader the the youth pastor like you and we're going to have that moment of i would have never thought that from you but it doesn't mean wow you're a horrible person for doing this like there's a, a difference mm-hmm. between the two and so i try to encourage that. And then if you don't feel that it's safe to tell your husband, because I think every, if this is a struggle you have, you should tell your husband. Mm-hmm. And the reason being not to invite shame, but to invite intimacy, because you are not experiencing true intimacy with your spouse. If you're keeping a secret like this from them, like if you are ashamed or you think you're afraid of your spouse shaming you, then you're not experiencing intimacy. Everything you're doing is an act right? It's, it's what you hope to experience. Like you're pretending to be that, but you are not experiencing it because there's a part of you that says, 
if he really knew who I was, if he really knew what I was doing, he wouldn't love me. And so you have to, as the wife, combat that by telling your husband what's going on. If you don't feel like that's a safe conversation to have with him, then have it in front of somebody else. Invite a counselor into that environment that can help keep you know, the conversation on the rails, if you will, and help not have it fly off the handle and be wounding and damaging. But I, I do encourage wives to have this conversation with your husband. You're not asking him to fix it, right? You're just saying, I need someone to be safe to talk about this with. And I need you, the person that I'm supposed to be safest with, the person that I'm most intimate with, to know that this is a struggle that I'm having. And I'm going to get help one way or the other. I'm trying to get help, whatever resources that you have available to you. Um, but I need I need you to know this because I can't keep living a lie, basically. And when you are in a marriage, experiencing intimacy and supposed to be one with this person, if you are holding on to this and hiding this and you're you're flying in the face of that intimacy. You're you're actually damaging it because your husband is loving and connecting with a version of you that you've like created that's not real. <laughs> and so you want to bring that wall down and say, this is something that I'm struggling with. And I want to know, and I need to know that you still love me through who I am, even when I'm struggling with this. And again, if it's not as, if you don't feel like it's a safe conversation to have, then have it with somebody else, like invite somebody else into that to help mediate, if you will. And I think the challenge with pornography is that we have this innate longing, right? That we get from God to be known, to be loved and cared mm -hmm. for. And when we're in that marriage, we also want to be known, to be loved and to be cared for. And pornography just throws a wrench in that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think a lot of what we're talking about speaks to a couple of the points you bring up in the book about how we're all longing for acceptance and intimacy and unconditional love, which we definitely get from the Lord, but we're human, right? We're, we're, we're weak, mm -hmm. we're broken. And so there's, there's a lot of messiness that comes into play when when there's pornography and other sexual sin that uh, that comes into the picture. Jessica, as we wrap up our time today, what message would you want to leave for our listeners who are going to read the book? Um, and, and maybe for those who are just, especially for the women out there, are struggling themselves with sexual sin? Yeah, I'd, I would say there's hope. Like I, I want people to understand and then how rich that hope is, right? When I was struggling, it would have been enough if someone just said like, Hey, you can break free from this. Like, <laughs> and I would have been like, okay, sign me up. I'm, I'm game. Let's do this. And that's actually what helped me find freedom was somebody saying like, Hey, we can help you. <laughs> and so I would say to those women, there is help out there, but beyond that, like God promises us good things, right? He, he promises us like his grace is rich and it's full. And the number of single women, especially that I that I interact with, that say, you know, sure, I might be free from pornography, but no man will ever love me because of what I've gone through. Or I'm 38 and single, and I know this is because God's punishing me for what I've done. Or we're struggling with infertility, and I just know it's because of this past with pornography. And I would just challenge them to like break those chains of of shame, right? Like God wants us to be free and he wants to set us free. And 
there were years that I believed those lies. And I, I walked through a prolonged season of singleness and wondered if it was because I struggled in because I was so vocal about my story. And I thought there's no man who ever wants to be married to the woman who, <laughs> who has this story. But I actually met my husband because he read Beggar's Daughter. Like he mm-hmm. ordered Beggar's Daughter. He read Beggar's Daughter. And he reached out to me and he said, I don't see a woman who struggled with pornography. He said, I see someone who is healed and who has let God just revolutionize her life and has let God use a painful part of her story to set other people free. He's like, that's who I see. I see someone who's redeemed and someone who loves the Lord. And so I would just encourage women like this does not have to be your identity moving forward. It does not have to define the rest of your story. Like you God can write a story outside of this. And so mm. there's hope. You're not you're not stuck here. You're not stuck with the label. You're not stuck with the brand for forever. There's freedom. And then beyond that freedom, there's just the goodness and the richness of, of God. And so don't give up. It's a hard process and it can take a long time. It took me like two years to really feel like I had broken free from pornography. Um, but on the other side of that struggle, there's such goodness and such grace. And so I would just encourage them with that. So beautiful. Jessica, thank you so much for your inspiration. I think our listeners are really going to take this to heart. And thank you for your resources. We'll put all the links to your books as well as your website in our show notes. So listeners, please take a look at these resources and the books. I mean, if you haven't read The Beggar's Daughter, start there. Hear Jessica's story so that you can have empathy for other people. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a a beautiful conversation. Your heart really pours through and we just are so grateful for you joining us. Well, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, Brandon, that brings us to a close of another amazing episode of the Covenant Eyes podcast. I know that our listeners will be blessed by this conversation and we do hope to have Jessica back in the future. Any final thoughts in closing, Brandon? Well, I just like that this book quenched that we talked about today is the now what in recognizing that Jesus's love is the ultimate transformation that we need in being able to find freedom from whatever we're struggling with. Maybe there's people listening who aren't even struggling with pornography, but there are there is trauma, there are wounds that we all have, and God's grace is abundant enough to be able to help us work through all that. And I think that's the message that I want to leave with everyone today is that like Jessica was saying, there's always hope and God is enough to take it all. Amen. Amen. I think that's a great way to close today's session. So Covenant Ice family, thanks for tuning in for another episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.